0: Are you looking for a doctor for yourself or a family member? Remember Martin's Point Healthcare for quick access to care. Call or visit at 161 Corporate Drive, Portsmouth, 603-431-5154. Martin's Point Healthcare. People caring for people. Online at martinspoint.org. Okay, George, why don't we start by just telling me a little bit about when your husband worked here and what his experiences were and and why you believe he became sick because of his, what he was exposed to here.
1: My husband worked for the New Hampshire Air National Guard uh, for 35 years. Um, in his 35 years, you know, starting back in 1971, you know, he started out in petroleum's oil, and lubricants, and eventually, you know, went up to aircraft maintenance for the New Hampshire Air National Guard. During his career, I, everything was fine, you know, and after his, he retired in 19, 2005, <laughs> um, you know, we, we decided that he well after he retired, I continued working, um, but it was some time after that. So in 2015, um, he got ill, and we really you know didn't think anything of it other than you know just growing old. Um, but his doctor, his specialist, thought he had been exposed to Agent Orange, and Kemal was never in Vietnam, so that kind of raised some questions because they had, he told us that the kind of cancer that he has was very very consistent with what he has seen you know, with Agent Orange victims. And it was at that point that he felt that, you know, we should pursue um, disability with the VA. And so we did. Um, and
0: how old was he at this point?
1: 65. And no family history of cancers. You know, they've had heart conditions, uh, but not, not any cancers to speak of. So his cancer was a stage four um, bladder cancer. And uh, we fought it, you know, for two years and he eventually you know, um, died from that on June 30th of 2017. Um, but during those two years that he was sick, um, we had filed for that VA disability and he got denied. They were saying it wasn't work-related, that he didn't have his illness, and there were no medical records in, while he was in the guard to support his illness, and that we, we were filing not within a year of his retirement. We appealed. So that is still going on today.
0: What type of cancer did he have?
1: He had bladder cancer. Okay bladder, and prostate. His bladder cancer was so bad that it actually had blocked his left kidney for some time, and we have no idea how long. And he wasn't in pain, which is really bizarre. So during that fight, I did a lot of research, you know, because I had to do my research to um, get to the VA. And so we Googled a lot of things, and I had already known about the Peas water contamination, you know, and had read a lot of stories. And, you know, and again, if you're not directly affected, I think you just kind of like you know gee that's a shame so I got a little passionate about it and you know we were noticing that um, there are stories about the state of New Hampshire being in the highest bladder cancer rates in the country that there's more children cancers here than anywhere else um, you know we have a definite issue but to go back to why I, I believe uh, that you know this affects him is that I have a list of chemicals that they worked with specifically Even in his early career, working with jet fuels, jet fuels are known carcinogens.
0: What kind of things would he do with the jet fuels?
1: Well, he filled the aircraft, you know, and then um, they used them, you know, to clean uh, things. Uh, There was trichloroethylene um, and those types of chemicals, and they would use those to clean aircraft parts, you know, their tools, to spray the aircraft, and there's like a list of maybe 10 or 15 different chemicals, and they're all listed you know, on the CDC website, you know, as known carcinogens. And the guard, even though they were told to wear rubber gloves and, you know, wear a face mask, the, the actual, like, hazmat program never went, really went into play until it was declared a Superfund site. So before that, it was like, eh. Right. You know, and um, even though they were wearing gloves or wearing the face mask, you know, they, they were still exposed to these things, you know, because it would spill on their uniforms. And, you know, it, it gets absorbed into your skin. Right. So that's where my research kind of took me, mm-hmm. and therefore my fight. I truly believe, you know, that that is the cause of not only his, uh, but several other people, you know, that I am very close to, uh, that have died of cancers, and they're all organ-related cancers. They're pancreatic, their liver, their bladder, kidney.
0: And he worked for the guard for thirty years. Thirty-five. What do you think of that? The fact that he worked for the guard that long, served his country, and then gets sick, and they didn't take care of him the way. He- he should have been taken care of.
1: Outraged, I guess. You know, we weren't looking for um, you know, to go to the VA and be, you know, serviced by the VA. Um, We had insurance. We didn't qualify for veterans you know, benefits. Um, But for the veterans' disability you know, at that time, I really felt that they, he deserved that. Right. You know, they all deserve that. Yep. Um, And I just think that the guard is like the forgotten population in this whole thing here. And that's, you know, one of the reasons why I contacted you.
0: Yep. Did he, um, were you guys living down here when...
1: We were living in Candy, New Hampshire. Okay. Um, he, he was born and grew up in Candy, New Hampshire. And we moved to Cobrook, New Hampshire in 2012.
0: You have talked to other people who have also worked for the Guard and also have cancers.
1: Yes. Okay. Yes, I have. And I, I have, you know, in, in my small circle of friends, I don't know how many total Guardsmen mm-hmm. there were at the time. But in my circle of friends, um, you know, I've, I have a list of 62 names, and 39 of them are dead today. And very few of them are over 69 years old. And I think that that's crazy.
0: And you believe it was what they were exposed to? Absolutely. Do you think the, uh, the contaminated water could have played a role in this?
1: Absolutely. They, um, if you talk to any retiree still here, they'll tell you, you know, they drank the water, you know, they bathed right. in the water, you know, because they would have, you know, weekends where they had to be there. Right. Um, so, sure.
0: Um, have you reached out to anybody, any of the congressional offices uh, or the VA, to just express your concerns to them yet?
1: I have. Um, I have a Veterans Service Organization advocate that's working with me right now. Unfortunately, I didn't seek the correct help when I was fighting my my VA appeal, but I have someone now who's who's really on the ball. I wrote Governor Sununu's office and he directed me to the correct individual.
0: And what organization is helping you?
1: The Veterans Administration, um, a specific VSO, Veterans Service Organization Specialist.
0: Have you gotten any feedback from the Air Force, the Guard?
1: No, not at all. And I post things on the we have a retirees uh, Facebook page, and so I post things on there, and that's actually how I was reaching out to a lot of retirees to see if they would help me in my quest, um, and that you know would they be interviewed you know to talk about these right. things and it's like anything else. Some said yes, right. uh, very few, yep. and the others were like, you know, had a girl, go yep. get them <laughs> right <laughs> and that's, that's all they want to do.
0: And what would you like to see happen?
1: It's really difficult to say. What I really want is just... To let people know that this ground contamination okay, has been going on for a very, very long time, even though everyone is well today, that I truly believe there are long latency periods, mm-hmm. you know, for cancers to develop and that they need to be aware, you know, and see their doctors for, for any any small sign, you know, something is happening. For us, it was too late, but if you find these things earlier, you know, then you're better off, just better off. Right.
0: And that seems like, obviously, now, there's really, they don't they don't really know how long people were exposed to the water. No. But they're also, people were exposed to a lot of other things out here, too, don't you think? Or, I mean, like you said, the cleaning solutions, the jet fuel.
1: Well, they do, and I'm thinking, you know, and I um, want this is short, but I wanted my husband to be tested in the P's testing for the PFOAs and PFCs, Right. and we had to come from Colbrook, and unfortunately, he was really ill. There was a really nice person at the Department of Health and Human Services that actually allowed me to have the test done up in Colbrook, and so we were able to do that. You know, And his test came back with not elevated levels of PFCs and PFOAs, but what they were telling me was, and I don't know how true this is, is that if you're away from it for a long time, right. it, it leaves your bloodstream. And if you think that he'd retired in 2005, you know, and here it is, 2015, that's 10 years' worth of not drinking that water yep. or in the area.
0: Do you think that um, there's obviously a lot of focus now on people who work here and the kids who are at the daycares here, but it seems like people who either worked at the base or at with the guard sometimes seem like they're forgotten. Do you, do you agree with that? And do you know if there's any effort to reach out to former guardsmen or people who just worked at the, the base to see if they're having, you know, cancers, any other illnesses?
1: I honestly don't think that any of that is going on. I, I truly don't because I've been, I think I'm the only cog in the wheel, Right. you know, that has reached out to other retirees or other, even active guardsmen today. I have some active guardsmen, you know, that, that will call me and say, hey, so-and-so is sick. And I have, there's one individual right now who is very ill. You know, doing okay at the moment, right. uh, but his time is limited, and he's a really good guy. And he's still working; he's still active, and I believe he's getting some form of disability, but he's still working full time. So, you know, it's just kind of weird.
0: Do you think the uh, the government should be doing more to kind of reach out to people and see if if they they are sick for people who served here, considering the, the water and everything else people were exposed to?
1: Well, I would like to know, you know, if there is anybody in the Air Force or the Guard that actually is paying attention to this. And I mean, because this is not a, this is not a new thing, you know. This has been happening at um, air bases, marine bases, naval bases, uh, any branch of the service uh, for a long time. Camp Lejeune is a good example, you know. And the VA is just now recognizing Camp Lejeune, and this has been out for 10 years. But is anybody looking at who were the servicemen that, that served there? Right. And where are they today? I doubt it, you know. No one's doing a study. It takes money.
0: Do you think um, there's an unusually high number of cancers for people who who served at the guard?
1: Yes, I do, I, and I and I think that if they dug into it, they would really see a dead population.
0: What did you What did you think when you're when you first learned that your husband had gotten ill? Shocked, shocked,
1: shocked. <laughs> we thought he had normal elderly, you know, bladder control. That's what we thought. He went for his he went for um, a test and his doctor called back within 24 hours and just said we need to get you to a specialist immediately and that's mm-hmm. when he told us the news and for him it was way too late. It wasn't it wasn't anything we could do. Right. So he was given three to five years and he only lived two.
0: How long did he uh, go through treatment?
1: For the two years yeah he'd have um, six weeks off and then you know he would go back at it again and that was really his choice which is really surprising because I remember him talking to people who were in chemotherapy and saying that will be the last thing I ever do. Right. But then we're sitting there and he's like, "Oh, sure, whatever it's going to take."
0: For people who have, I mean, chemotherapy is a terrible thing to go through. For it people is. who have, um, can you talk a little bit about what that was like having having to see him go through that for him personally?
1: The the initial uh, chemotherapy was awful, to say the least. They blasted him with um, a very, very potent uh, chemotherapy. It was a two-and-a-half day regimen. We in, in, in the North Country, unfortunately, there's not a lot of places to go, so we had to travel an hour and 45 minutes to chemotherapy, and to go to Dartmouth was two-and-a-half hours. So between the surgeons in Dartmouth and the chemotherapy at Norris Cotton Cancer Center up in St. Johnsbury, you know, we were on the road a better part of those two years. But that first that first treatment was, it was a killer. It really was. Um, we, I just watched him just deteriorate, you know, within a very short period of time. On his second treatment, which was only like in a matter of four weeks, he was so weak and so debilitated, he had a—he dif- had difficulty walking. We had to take him for hydration every day at the hospital. He just, he, he couldn't keep anything down. And you just watched him melt away. And, and that, was, uh, that was really rough. He did survive that. <laughs> Um, and his other treatments weren't as severe, um, but they were more um, palliative care mm-hmm. just to see if they could hold it at bay. That's really all they were doing. I was working at the time, and I, as soon as I got his diagnosis, I quit work and I retired right then and there. Um, I have to tell you, it's, it's full-time caregiving, you know, at that point, and it's a lot of work, but so worth
0: it. Um, now, you actually reached out to Andrea Miko from Testing for Peas. Yes. This week.
1: I, I reached out to Andrea because I honestly thought that I was going to give up this whole this whole thing, and that was my intent because it does consume your life, and I'm still not over my loss, but I read something and I, and I heard something in Andrea's comments that I was compelled to look her up, and I found her on uh, Facebook, and I called her, and she was kind enough to call me, and I wanted to reach out and tell her my story and that I am truly worried, you know, about the people here, and they're fine today, you know, but you're not sure that they're going to be okay later um, because I truly think that it's, 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 a, it's a real problem. You know, I, I read and I hear, you know, about the cancer clusters, and they keep on saying, yeah, nope, we have no cancer clusters here, and it's like, uh, hello, you know, there's too many cancers, you know, for the area.
0: Did you grow up in New Hampshire too?
1: I did. I grew up in Manchester and yeah. moved to Canada when we got married.
0: Would you ever have thought, uh, in a million years, that New Hampshire would have the highest pediatric cancer rate in the country, no. the highest bladder cancer rate in the country, no. the highest breast cancer rate in the country? No. I mean, to me, that's just kind of stunning.
1: It is. It is. It's just. It, to me, it's amazing, you know, more than anything else. And so that keeps me fueled, you know, to to speak out, you know, just to say that, you know, we need, we all need to be aware of what our surroundings are, you know, and what can we do to make it better, you know, or how can we help the people who don't know that they're affected yet? People just need to be aware, you know, and fight it.
0: Do you think the average person knows those th- those three facts? No, but, yeah.
1: I do not. And I'll be honest with you, until, you know, mm-hmm. until it touches you personally, right you know it's like oh that's a real shame you know and that's too bad and yep and we're going to do whatever we need to do but you kind of go on your daily life right. you know and you just forget about it you know and then when it touches you personally all of a sudden it's a whole new it's a whole new ball game right.
0: do you worry that that's how some people might be reacting to the water i mean they there's you know you hear all this stuff well we believe it's dangerous we believe it causes cancer we believe it all causes all these other things but we're not positive and it seems like just human nature the easiest thing to do is just try to try not to think about it too much and and just kind of go on with your life do you think do you worry that people are are doing that and when it really is something that we need to be proactive on
1: i am worried about that you know i'm i'm worried that they you know just because they hear you know that oh you know we have a water treatment facility you know that is taking care of it you know it's like uh, well is it really right. you know and how long how long have you drank that water right you know prior to it being treated we don't know you know if that is all going to work and so yes i would be concerned about drinking that water i would be concerned about bathing in the water
0: can you tell me a little bit about your facebook page and when you started that
1: i don't have a facebook page it's but, actually the 157th dairy um, fueling wings uh retiree page
0: and but you've been using that to try to communicate with people and to
1: communicate with the guardsmen yes
0: right. and how has that been working
1: I have lots of likes, very few comments. <laughs> as I said, out of girl.
0: Uh, tough as it to get people to communicate and help you and be willing to talk about these issues.
1: There's only a few people that um, have been readily available, you know, or really will say, yes, I will help you with that. You know, there's a few retirees that I kind of twisted their arms and Mm -hmm. said, you know, would you do this? You know, and they're like, okay, all right. Like I said, I probably reached out to, I I honestly don't know how many members there are. There's probably 200 and something members. And out of those members, I only got five that replied, you know, and one additional wife of a guardsman. Her husband died when he was 65 Mm -hmm. and he died from pancreatic. I mean, a, a really bad pancreatic cancer.
0: And you haven't, at this point, reached out to any any of the congressional offices or anything like that?
1: Um, Just Senator Shaheen. Senator Shaheen, I've been in touch with Senator Shaheen's office um, all this entire time. Mm -hmm. Um, That's actually how I found the PAC meeting notes and uh, read Andrea's comments and read the entire PAC meeting note. um, And that's when I reached out to her. So Senator Shaheen has been keeping me informed. I just, again, it's like,
0: it's slow. Right.
1: (laughs) You know, it just doesn't happen, you know. And um, they're not helping me with my VA fight, Um, you know. And the sad thing is, is that um, when I first started this, it was Senator Kelly Ayotte. Mm -hmm. It was in office, and she used to visit the North Country frequently, you know. So I kind of got her ear. And uh, you would just watch the the change on her face, right. you know, when you mentioned peace. But I worked with her until she got voted out of office. And then the sad thing is, I had to start from square one all over again with Senator Shaheen. So right. I felt like I lost, you know, a year.
0: I know that the uh, Senator Sheen has got money to do a health study on the mm-hmm. effects of uh, the PFAS chemicals. Is that something that you think they should be really aggressive in trying to reach out to people who served at the Guard?
1: Yes, I do. I do. And I, and I, I'm not sure that they're even included in this study, but yes, I would like to have them do that because I think they can learn a lot from the men and women who are still alive you know, and even from the families of those you know that we've lost.
0: Were you aware that obviously the Haven Well was closed about four years ago for the PFAS, but it was also closed back maybe 15, 20 years ago for the TCE? Yes. Were you aware of that? Yes, I was. Do you think most people are aware of that? No, okay.
1: I don't think so.
0: Yeah. When I first started reporting on this, what surprised me the most was that they were, they had this well that they seem to love, and you know they talk about how big it is and how great the water is, but it's underneath the runway, I know. and it just seems to me like counter, why would you put, and maybe they didn't put it, but why would you use a well that's underneath, you know, a runway?
1: And they wash the aircraft. Right. And they have fuel spills.
0: It seems like that would be just, just a terrible idea on its face.
1: Yes, I would think so. But, you know, we weren't very smart, you know, when we built things back then.
0: If you go back 30 years, 40 years, it seems like it was a different time.
1: It is a different time. It was a different like,
0: time. People really didn't think too much about environmental threats, right?
1: No. And, uh you know, so only after something happens... You know, they kind of figure this out and saying, "Oh, you know, we have a problem." Right. And I think one of the reasons one of the reasons why um, you don't hear much, you know, about the air guards or air forces is because it's it's a bigger nightmare mm-hmm. for the government right. because right. we aren't the only base. Right. You know, I'm just talking about us. Yep. You know, it's it's every base that uses these chemicals. And back in the '50s and '60s and '70s, they're all using the same stuff.
0: Right.
1: It's all the same chemicals. So it's, it's a bigger nightmare, right. and it's not just the bases here in the United States. We have bases all over the world. Good. So, yeah. do we? Does the Air Force want to admit this? No. Right.
0: Because um, that seems like when people are trying to get anything done, health study, cleanup, it is. I mean, millions, if not billions of dollars it's going to cost. Yes, I know. How big a role do you think that plays and how... Um, Slowly, things are moving with the with the government.
1: It's frustrating. I believe I read that to get this study started was going to take five years, and that they wouldn't have any results for ten, and that they weren't including a lot of groups in the initial study. And to me, that that was that was a catalyst um, that made me call yep. Andrea. Yep. You know, I was very frustrated with that, and I and I know that it takes a lot of people in money to make that happen you know but can't we recruit like people like us that are impassioned with this to maybe help with that i mean i realize we're not you know the perfect uh medical groups or that we may not have the education to do this but you know we can be educated you know to help with this we need to get to a larger group of people and we need to do that in a short period of time to know what that is
0: why did your husband decide to join the card
1: the real answer, <laughs> sure, <laughs> to escape Vietnam. <laughs> that was his. That was his thing,
0: you know. and, and what rank was he in? And and can you talk a little bit more about what he did?
1: Yeah, he um, he started out as an airman, yep. um, uh, but he actually retired as a chief master sergeant, you know, of, of the guard. I guess, respected, too, which is really amazing. But he was in aircraft maintenance for a better part of his career. You know, he started out in fuels. He was in aircraft maintenance for a better part of his career. And then he went up to job control. And then he eventually took some position that I really don't know what that is. But he, like, served his last year in sure. something that was a little bit easier.
0: And what type of person was he?
1: Uh, very direct. Extremely direct. And and if you talk to any of the guardsmen, you know, they'll tell you that, yep, he was he was tough. But you knew where you stood with him. And we got the job done.
0: Um, how did he like serving here at Pease?
1: He loved it. Yeah, it was it was his family, truly his family.
0: Just because we worked with guys, same guys yes. for a long time.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we were kind of like the when we first were in the guard, we were like the baby of the guard, you know. So we got to know the the guys who went the next ten years and then retired, and then we saw the guys who were coming up. Right. You know, so we were kind of like yep. in the middle and kind of knew all those people
0: for somebody who hasn't served in the military or had family who served in the military can you talk a little bit about what that it seems like it's very kind of close-knit
1: it is close-knit um they are a family you know they're the people that you work with day in and day out for military families they you know your your friends you have two or three different sets of friends you know because you have those outside and those that are in the military if you ever needed anything anything happened to anybody in the guard you know there were a lot of people around who would help you you know, and it's just uh, the camaraderie is awesome. And I saw a lot of it when he was sick. And uh, we had people visit our house up in Cobrook drove three hours us to spend a few hours with him which i think is amazing
0: how unusual was that for people to do that or was it
1: i think it was the nature of the guard i really do you know you'd have one guy that would say hey i'm going up to see brock tomorrow you know and he'd they'd have a car full that's pretty amazing and then just before he died they gave him a it was one individual who wanted to do something special and he wanted to get some guys together to visit ken and he's saying he says well i'm up to 12 now he goes so he goes we're thinking about getting a bus and they call me back and this is within 24 hours and he goes I'm up to 32. He goes, we need to do something different. (laughs) (laughs) So they have a retiree day in June of every year, and Ken never misses retiree day. And he was going to retiree day no matter what. And I said, well, we're coming down for retiree day. I said, so if you want to do something, I said, you know, uh, we'll be in Portsmouth overnight. I'll bring him down. He can nap, and then we can go out in the evening. So we did. There were 120 people at this party at the gaslight in downtown Portsmouth. Paul Sorley, the owner, had worked with Ken. And closed his uh, third floor for this party. And it was amazing.
0: He worked with Ken in the guard? Yes, he did. Gaslight is obviously a really, really popular restaurant. Yes, it is. Um, how, how cool was that that he did that?
1: I was more than cool. It really was. Mark Joyce is the other guard's person who actually spearheaded this whole thing with Paul. And Mark had said, you know, I, do you know anything about my history? You know, with Ken and I went, no. He goes, well, we didn't always get along. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like... And then why are you doing this? Right. You know, right. he goes. He goes because he says I really respect him. He goes, and he's a great guy. It was it was a beautiful evening. And then we went to retiree the next day, and uh, Ken died a week later.
0: What did that mean to your husband to have you know to have that night?
1: He was overwhelmed. I just overwhelmed because I also was saving all of the Facebook posts and messages, emails, and stuff that I was getting from everybody around. You know about their comments about how they wouldn't miss it, or you know I'll be there for Chief Brock and blah 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 blah, yep. and So I read those all to him when we got back home, and uh, he cried, you know, because he was like, I can't believe that they did this for me.
0: Now you're going to an event today?
1: I'm going to a retiree, going to a retirement uh, celebration for um, Chief Master Sergeant uh, Tony LaBelle. Tony LaBelle has, I forgot how many years he's worked with the Guard. I think it's like 30, but he's retiring today. He and his wife are actually moving to Coburg, New Hampshire, so we've been in touch this whole time, but they were at our house every single weekend that they were there, you know, to help, to bring yep. little goodies and, and do whatever. So I wouldn't miss Tony's retirement for anything.
0: How much does it help you to be able to come down for events like this, to see people you've obviously known for years and years?
1: Those that I know, um, it's really important to do that, yep. you know, just to be in touch. I don't know if you know Bonnie Bonnie Rice. She's the family support specialist for the Guard. She's been the family support specialist as long as I can remember. She, she has been just a wonderful person she'll be retiring soon as well and I'm going to miss her but she's one of those that you know spreads the word about who's ill and she makes sure that you know about every event that's going on um, every military event and she on her vacation and I and I thought this was so nice because you know I don't have any contact with anybody she emails me every now and then just to say hey how you doing you know and that to me is worth more than anything because she has hundreds and hundreds of guardsmen that she has to be there for and families and she thinks about people who have lost their husbands or their wives Mm -hmm. you know and and shoots them a little note how nice is that
0: fighting for this effort does this help you deal with the loss of your husband
1: yes it um it's it's kind of depends on the day it really helps me focus you know to to try to understand why he's He's not with me anymore. And then the other part of it is, you know, I'm outraged and sad and hurt, you know, that this is happening, you know, and 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 I'm outraged. Um, I want I want to see things done, you know. I don't want to drop the ball. I just I just don't want to drop the ball now, you know. I mean, it's mm-hmm. a it's a thing for me. Keeps me occupied. Keeps me busy. Right. You know, and I think that's important.
0: Do you think there's a feeling uh, within the guard community that? Um, something's going on, that there's, uh, there's too many cancers here?
1: I think everybody talks about it. I don't think many do anything about it, you know, and I, I would like to see more done.
0: Perfect World, what would you like to see happen, like, right now, if you could just wave a magic wand?
1: I would just like to see that, you know, they get people together, you know, and let's just, let's just look back at, you know, they have rosters of all the people, you know, that have worked for the Guard. Go through those rosters to see how many are here, you know, and can somebody help to find out what exactly did they die from? You know, and just get some numbers together, you know, and why did they die? And if a better part of them are cancers, that's a real issue.
0: Obviously, your husband dealt with a lot of chemicals. Do you think that was the main culprit in his cancer, or do you think it was the water, or what do you think?
1: I think it's the chemicals myself, yeah, yeah. I think the water became contaminated because of those chemicals. Right, Again, right. you know, I think that it was a lot of um, overspray. I don't care how careful you are. You know, there's overspray that got into, you know, the cement and could be absorbed into mm-hmm. the water. So I think the water is contaminated because of that. And And I think my biggest point is it wasn't just firefighting foam. It's not just that. You know, it's a series of 12 or 13 chemicals that were used on a daily basis by both the Guard and the Air Force while they were there.
0: And just for like cleaning planes?
1: Yeah, uh, an example uh, PD 680. Google PD 680. And if you Google PD 680, you are going to find that that happens to be a cleaning solvent that was used by the dry cleaning industry. And you will find lawsuits and just some very, very nasty things from PD 680. The military has since cleaned up and used a diff- uses a different form of that PD 680 since 1990. I say 1990 could be a little bit earlier Um, but through that time they were using the exact same cleaning solvent that everybody has these lawsuits for anybody who uses them but you don't see any of that
0: and what were they using it for
1: it was a cleaning solvent so they used to wash the aircraft down and a few other things
0: and it seems like you know further back that people would use these chemicals and they would you know you like you said there was protocol for it but you kind of go we're fine do you think that was kind of a little different attitude back then i
1: think so yeah i do and if you think back, you know if you were playing with something just messing around I mean you wouldn't you wouldn't think of what it would do to you
0: I actually um there's uh there's a golf course on Pease. yeah, and there's there's this course called the Blue Course, which is right next to the runway well there's some brooks that run through there, and you look at the water in those brooks and it's just like God only knows what's in here i know it's it looks awful, it smells awful i mean obviously it's it's still a super fun cleanup site um it seems like it's it's going to be one for for a long time.
1: It is going to be a long time. And
0: do you think people who work here have their kids here? I mean, they understand. Oh, yeah, thirty years ago, this, this this was an Air Force base. But do you think they kind of understand the full scope of what was out here?
1: I don't. Yep. I don't think that they know um, what the full scope is. And if if I were living here, um, I would not. I I truly would not be drinking the water. Yep. I truly would not be bathing or going into the river. Um, I wouldn't do it. Right. Not knowing what I know today. Yep. Okay. Years ago? Sure. Right.
0: right. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to add uh, to let people know about this issue that I that you think is important that I haven't asked you about?
1: Other than I just want people aware. Okay. I just want them aware. You know, it's it's important that you are aware of your surroundings, you know, aware of what's going on. Read and act, you know, on or listen to the news and yep. act on it. Don't just wait, you know, for something else to happen because it's not happening fast enough. And unfortunately, um, a lot of people won't be around to fight that, you know, and and not understand why they're fighting it. So I, I, I think it's important.